the world has changed dramatically since I did my preparation last week to talk about climate change today. It's not that climate change has lost any of its importance, and I still want to talk about it, but rather that some really disturbing and horrific acts of violence have invaded all our lives and ambushed our minds and hearts. We need to be clear, even if it may appear to be obvious, that what happened in Paris on Friday has no justification, no excuse, no good reason, no moral or religious basis. There is no moral or religious argument that can justify such actions. There is no place for these actions in a civilized world. There is no argument that can make those actions make sense. And all good people everywhere must proclaim with one voice, whatever our faith or nationality or political viewpoint, that these horrific actions are morally wrong and are unacceptable on our planet. This we must be totally clear about. All of our lives are going to be different because of these unjustifiable acts of violence, whether in Paris or Beirut or Baghdad or wherever they may happen. Violence on our own streets. But strangely enough, what took place in Paris, which is a city that people all over the world have fallen in love with, including myself, this terrible event actually is related to the profound challenge that's called climate change, or lately I've heard the term climate chaos. One small connection between the two is a kind of this meaningful coincidence is that the global summit on climate change is scheduled to begin in Paris in two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow begins that summit meeting, which is a crucial meeting for the Earth. There aren't that many opportunities for countries to get together and make changes together and make agreements, and this is one of them. And so we've prepared today to send our ribbons of hope and concern to the Global Climate Summit. We've invited you, if you want to write on your ribbon something that you would feel loss about if it were lost due to climate change. And we can use those ribbons as well to express grief and support for the people of Paris. And we have these wonderful church members who just happen to be going to Paris. What an amazing thing. And they will take our messages. I was going to begin my sermon today by telling a kind of storybook version of evolution sort of leading up to where we are today. I got kind of into preparing that, as a matter of fact. I hope I tell it on another occasion. But actually, you already know that story pretty well. I know you do. And you know that one species of Earth's family, which is the humans, that would be us, have become enormously powerful on this Earth and have developed all kinds of amazing technology 
including so many things that have drastically improved the quality of life on Earth, at least for the affluent. And you know that we have also developed weapons that can completely destroy cities the size of Paris in a matter of minutes. And I am sure that you know that we, the humans, at least the affluent humans, are consuming enormous quantities of fossil fuels and cutting down rainforests and polluting land and water and air at such alarming rates that we are changing the ecosystems of our planet and changing the climate and changing the weather and changing where the boundaries are going to be between dry land and ocean, all kinds of things we're changing. And even though it may be less obvious, you may all, and it's become more obvious to me, you may also see the connection between climate change and terrorism as different groups, different tribal groups and political groups on the earth are engaged in wars and terrorist acts that are largely about who will control the deposits of the fossil fuels we consume at such a great rate to support the lifestyle to which we have become accustomed. And so there is an enormous and violent confrontation on the planet about who's going to get control of that stuff because if that highly consuming lifestyle is to continue, whoever continues it needs, needs control of that. And this is one of the sources of wars and it's one of the sources of terrorism. That was an aha for me, and still is. So what is the next chapter in the story? So that's the question before us. That is where we are now. What will the humans do on this planet? We have got a great planet, folks. We really have got a great planet. When you look at all the others, they don't look like they're that much fun. You have freeze to death in about half a minute, or. You know, it's, it's, there are no hotels. We have got a great planet here. What are we going to do with it? That is the question before us. What will we, the humans, do? Will we work together to solve the problems inherent in the way we are living? Or will we continue to split and fragment and compete many times violently with individuals and groups who want to fight to keep their consumption level at a certain level or to gain a consumption level that they may not have at the moment, but why shouldn't they if that's the rule on earth? Will we be able to cooperate enough to bring about the changes that will be needed by all of us to create a way of life that is sustainable? 
that can continue and that can allow us to enjoy this beautiful planet which is currently degrading due to to our actions. It's hard to believe we're such wonderful people. We're such good people. All we want to do is have cars and airplanes and stuff. I, I like that stuff. And yet our life is in trouble. We're experiencing more extreme weather, there's more drought coming, there are more wars, there are more extinctions, there's more economic inequality. We know climate change produces not only the lowering of the average economic level of everyone, at the same time it widens the gap between the rich and the poor. And it's more danger for us as people will become increasingly more frantic to hold on to the lands where the resources are. And so are more willing to start wars about that or whatever they feel is necessary. This is everybody. At this point in human history, it really is a question of cooperation. Could, could we work together to find common solutions? Could we do that? That's what they're going to discuss in Paris on November 30th. Whatever is going to be done is going to require sacrifice of some sort. And sacrifice is not an easy thing for us to do, especially if we feel that others are not doing theirs. So we may all hold back, claiming that others are not doing their part. And so why should we? Or will we step forward, making the changes that we need to make, realizing that that is, is not a zero-sum game. Rather, in the long run, we all win or lose together on the planet. Although it really is true that in the short run, the poor people will lose more. The poor people will lose more in the short run. But in the long run, everybody will win or lose together. And what happened on Friday night is not detached from this drama. As I was setting the scene for discussing this moment of opportunity and danger, I neglected to mention that the earth inhabitants have something they call religion. I bet you have heard of this. It turns out that religion is a pretty complicated dimension of human life, and it's too complicated to explain right now. I don't know if I could do it anyway. So I'm just going to trust that you know what I'm talking about, that you've heard of this and you have some idea of the great complexity and diversity of the phenomenon of religion on the planet. And we know that religion plays a role in the overall picture as well. Religion is a player in the world, too. I can tell you with some degree of hope and optimism that the religions of the planet came together last month to discuss specifically three things. Climate change, war and violence, 
and economic inequality. Those were the three named issues at the Parliament of the World's Religion. They're so intertwined because as the climate changes and there's more competition for the resources, there's more war, more violence, and increasing inequality. So these all really intertwine together. So there was hope in that discussion, and there were plans made to try to have an impact on that. Of course, it was not all the religions, and it was only about 10,000 people, which sounds like hardly anybody on planet Earth. And that may not sound like very many people, but on the positive side, I can tell you that the 10,000 people gathered together in Salt Lake City last month to talk about these things were, as far as I could tell, a group of highly intelligent, amazingly tolerant, deeply caring, and intensely committed people I have ever run across. They were not anything like the negative stereotype of religious people prevalent in our culture today, which is a very strong stereotype. And it's not without some reason either. They were not closed-minded. They were not anti-science. They were not backward-looking or dogmatic in their thinking. And they certainly were not violent, not at all. The people I met at this gathering of the world's religions, I'll tell you, what they looked like to me. They looked to me like a bunch of UUs only with more talking about God and really colorful costumes. <laughs> That's what they looked like to me. And what this gathering came together around is the idea that the religions need to be players. They need to be in the forefront of the human response to climate change. Not in an exclusive sense, not in the sense that it's all about religion, it clearly is not, but in a sense of being part of a mutually cooperative effort that is really going to require everybody, everybody, all over the planet. It's going to require cooperative action. One of the troubling dimensions of the climate change predicament is that the scientists of the world are proclaiming a very clear message. A very clear message. And that message is not inspiring the people of the world to act. At least not enough. There's some action going on. Even though the message is being stated in almost 100% certain terms. There's about a 97% consensus of science, scientists on the planet about the dangers of climate change and our uh, human behavior being connected to that. And yet, that doesn't seem to spur the world into action. So far, not enough anyway. I thought, isn't that an amazing thing? That there would be such a consensus? These messages may sway the intellect, but they do not seem to inspire the emotions. And we need to read Linda Lyman's book to find out exactly why that's true and why it's so important. 
Because the charts and the data, as beautifully as they are drawn and as powerful as the conclusions are, do not seem to sway the people. We don't seem to just look at that chart and then jump up into action. It does not seem to work. As a matter of fact, scientists often say that they want to examine the facts dispassionately. That's an expression I've heard. We want to examine the facts dispassionately. But it may be that in this case, being dispassionate won't work. It may be that we need passion about it. We need the scientists. They, have, they are telling us what we need to know, but we may need passionate voices. We may need animated voices. We may need chants and demonstrations and stories and songs and drums and impassioned orations to motivate the human spirit to do what needs to be done. In short, we might need some of the things that religions are good at. We need our human hearts to be moved. We need to care. We need to thirst for justice. We need to demand action. And strangely enough, the most beautifully drawn graphs, for all their value, do not seem to do this to us. You can, by the way, talk to political consultants and they will tell you the same thing. Is it, you can't get people to, to vote for someone by showing graphs of, of gross domestic product or unemployment or anything else. It just doesn't move people to action, even if they may think it's true. They may be convinced that it's right, but it doesn't make them get up and start yelling and say, I'm going to do this. We need the charts and the graphs, but we're going to need deep commitment, inspiration, hope. We're going to need rituals. We might need some ribbons. We might need some stories. We might need to hold hands. We might need to cry. We might have to hug beyond the graphs. The people we met with last month think that this is where religion could come in because religions know how to do these things. The religions know how to hold hands and sing a song. We can do that ourselves. And these activities will be needed to move the collective consciousness of the planet where we need to go on climate change. And there's not an infinite amount of time to do that. We can't wait until everybody on the planet agrees about everything. That's a losing strategy right there. That's, that, you got no chance if we do that. We have to jump right in the middle of everybody's disagreements and everybody's differences, everybody's different faith traditions, and some people think all religion's crazy, and we got, you just got to move in the middle of all that and start building consensus. The 10,000 people at the parliament, including 31 of our church members, 
experience some consciousness-raising experiences around climate change by listening to some of the most amazing, well-informed, and powerful speakers I've ever heard, and the other crucial issues as well as the issue of violence and inequality. And so we have some beginning steps to offer today. They're just a beginning. It's just a, these are baby steps. So today and next week, we're inviting you to personalize your ribbon with one thing that you would personally miss. It would be a loss to you if climate change took it away. So you can think about that. There's no rush, and you can put your name on it and your city. And then three of our members will be taking all these ribbons, which are coming from multiple sites around the world, to Paris in early December to be delivered to the parliament representatives who will take them to the global summit. It's just a witness. It's a kind of, you know, we're, we're bearing witness to something that we care about it, that it's important, that we're engaged, to a meeting that must make some meaningful cooperative agreements at, at this moment. This is a problem that gets worse, you know, the longer you wait. Next, I want to invite you, and the website is in your program. You don't need to look at it right now, but it's in your programs, parliamentofreligions.org. And on that website, there's a declaration on climate change. And I would like to invite you to read that declaration. We, we are going to have a laptop set up right outside after the service, too. I've had more trouble getting this declaration to come up on my smartphone, but Diane can do it, so you ask her. But I, on laptops, you've got a different screen format, and it comes up very clearly. Parliamentofreligions.org, and you'll see the declaration on climate change. So I want to invite you to read that declaration, and if you feel like that represents your point of view, I want to ask you to sign up to support that online. If you don't think it's good, then don't sign it. But if you do, then I ask you to sign that. I'd like to see at least 100 church members do that in the next couple of weeks. If you need any help with the logistics, let me know, or uh, Diane can help. Any of us will help you. There's also declarations out there on war and violence, on economic inequality. There's another one on the role of women. And there are two more, which I can't think of at the moment. So you can look at those, too, if that, if that is something you want to do. I invite you to do that. And the third thing I would like to invite you to do is to consider making one change in your personal life during this season of the year. Just ponder that. I invite you to ponder that. It could be something having to do with diet, or maybe it has to do with household way, household products or driving or travel um, parts of your life, whatever might come to your mind. I'd like to invite you. I'm thinking about what mine is. I haven't talked about it with Diane yet, but I think she'll be all right with my idea. We're going to sell our house and get a tent. <laughs> is that all right, dear? I don't know where she is right now. It's much better for me to bring it up in this setting where I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm protected. No, that was just a joke. That, that was just a joke. 
I'm not quite ready for that yet. But. We will repeat all these things with the website and everything in the builder. The next builder that comes out, will have, if case there's something you don't remember or you want to know more, we'll put this all in the builder so that you can pursue these things. And you know we're also inviting you to, to use that ribbon, if you wish. You could use the other side of that ribbon if you want to send a message to people in Paris, because that's where they're going. If you want to send a message of condolence, you are invited to do that. So these steps may seem too small, but they're not trivial. They're personal, and they're communal, and they're meaningful. And we need to begin with to feel engaged, that we are personally connected to these issues. We also have a, we have a, we have a project team in the church that's working on climate change, too. And it's associated with the Central Illinois Healthy Communities Alliance. Did I say that right? Joyce Herrant can tell you more about that. Lisa Offit can tell you more about that. I can tell you more about that. That's another way to get involved. So we need to have a personal connection. We need to feel that this has meaning to us. And so that's what these steps are about. It's not a game. We're in a serious moment of human history. This has to do with our quality of life and the quality of life of all our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and all of those. Unless 97% of all the scientists are somehow deceived or in some sort of collective fog, we have a real and deadly serious challenge to face regarding our effects on the ecosystems of the earth. Challenges of war and violence and economic inequality will all be aggravated by climate change. One of the most powerful speakers I heard in the parliament was a young woman who's a scientist, and she said, climate change will make all of this stuff worse. It'll make all of it worse. And if you don't do something about climate change, it'll make all the rest almost impossible to do. You won't be able to get rid of war. You won't get the violence stopped, and you won't get more equality unless you do the climate change piece because it exacerbates all the others. Whatever your religious belief or personal philosophy may be, I'll bet that your highest ideals are calling you to join this cooperative Effort. From whatever point of view you may come at this, all of us will be needed to sustain our lives on this beautiful and bountiful planet. This is not something that can be put off. This is happening 